Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Sweeney, here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. A few weeks ago, we released a special podcast episode with Beeson alumnus Oleg Turlock to discuss the war in Ukraine and how Christians can pray for brothers and sisters there. Today, we want to have another conversation about what's going on in the Ukraine and the surrounding region in uh, Slavic territory and southeastern Europe. Uh, and we have another Beeson alumnus on the program with us today. We're very grateful for his time. And Kristen, would you please introduce him to us? Today on the show, we have Vitaly Bach. Vitaly is a graduate of Beeson Divinity School, having earned his MDiv degree in 2003. He is pastor of Bethany Slavic Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome, Pastor Bach, to the Beeson Podcast. Hello. It's great to be with you. Well, it's, we're so grateful for your time and so glad that you're with us. Uh, we like to begin always by learning more about our podcast guest. And so I wonder if you can tell us more personal things about yourself, where you are from, and specifically what your connection is to Ukraine and Russia and what brought you to the United States and eventually to Beeson Divinity School. My name is Vitaly Bach, and I was born and raised in the former USSR. Uh, this country does not exist anymore. The Soviet Union collapsed in December of 1991. The Soviet Union, uh, or the USSR, was a union of 15 different republics, all of which at some point uh, had been independent and have their own ethnic and cultural heritage. The USSR inherited most of these lands and uh, peoples from the old Russian Empire. I grew up in the smallest of these republics, the Republic of Moldova, or Moldavia, as we used to say back in the day. Moldova is an independent country today, but it has a lot of challenges, and economy is one of the most significant challenges for the country. Ukraine is the next door neighbor to Moldova, and there are many Ukrainians who live in Moldova, and Moldovans who live in Ukraine. My father is Ukrainian, and I identified myself Ukrainian in my old Soviet passport. In 1999, my family decided to immigrate to the United States, and I came with them. Before arriving to the States, I uh, have earned my Bachelor of Theology degree from Odessa Theological Seminary in Odessa, Ukraine. And uh, after that, after graduation from that seminary, I studied for about a year and a half uh, studying theology on master's level at Tyndale Theological Seminary in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Uh, when I came to the United States, I was looking for the opportunity to complete my uh, master's degree in theology. I uh, visited many seminaries. Uh, we came to Minnesota right away because we had some relatives. So when we immigrated here, we ended up staying in uh, in Minnesota, in Minneapolis area. I came to many, many different uh, schools and seminaries, went to Bethel here in St. Paul, went to Trinity Divinity, went to some other schools. So 
actually visited and I mean like really local I mean went there physically <laughs> more than seven schools I went there I was I actually wanted to be recognized uh, from my previous studies and uh, you know wanted to see how that could be done so when I came to Beeson I got the warmest acceptance and you know uh, really warm welcome and uh, a promise that uh, you know if I do well in the school they will look at my progress and uh, they will afford me uh, the, they will award me uh, the the credits for for the classes that I've done previously so that's how I ended up in Beeson we arrived in July of 2001 and in May of 2003 I graduated from uh, the School of Divinity uh, with my Master of Divinity Pastor Bach, we're hoping you can tell our audience about the people of your church Bethany Slavic Baptist Church in Minneapolis uh, what different ethnic groups are represented in your congregation? How are some of your people connected to folks who are suffering uh, amidst the war in the Ukraine? And, and what are you hearing from them about what's going on these days? Well, our church uh, has a variety, a number of people actually from the former USSR. So we have people from Moldova, we have people from Russia, we have people from Ukraine, we have people even from the Baltic states. We have people from Belarus. So uh, I think the majority of people uh, in our particular case is uh, people from Moldova. It doesn't mean that they're ethnically Romanian or Moldovan. A lot of them still, even you know, coming from Moldova, they uh, have some uh, different ethnic background, meaning that they are Russian-speaking people primarily. And that means, uh, you know, that they uh, could have ethnic origin of Ukrainians or some, some other people. Yet our main uh, desire is to be not necessarily culture or ethnically identified, by, but we have a new identification. We are children of God, and uh, we uh, love each other. and We are concerned for each other. So in spite of the fact that we may have uh, different backgrounds, and we have about seven different groups that are represented in different ethnicities and that kind of stuff. But for all of our people, actually, it's a tragedy. And people, a lot of times, people refer in their prayers and in their conversations, they refer to this uh, war, to this tragedy, as uh, brother against brother war, as uh, something like this. So, so you know, for us, it's a, it's a big tragedy. Some people have relatives in Ukraine. And some people, you know, were sharing with me, like a couple of days ago, a lady shared uh, that uh, her brother's house was destroyed by a shell. And some other people, you know, say that they haven't heard from the family for some time and they don't know what's going on and how, how things are going. And they are concerned about that. So definitely there's a lot of unknown. But also there's, there's this uh, somewhat fear of, you know, what is happening and how, how it's going to affect everybody in that kind of situation. We've had many conversations over the past couple of years on the podcast with pastors who have talked about what it's like to pastor during a pandemic. And not only, I'm sure you could share your own stories, but now you're pastoring a congregation that has relations and uh, friendships and family members who you just said are being affected by this war. This is a per this is personal, more so probably for your church than many of our churches. What have you learned about pastoring during a time of conflict? What has pastoral ministry looked like for you, and how are you shepherding your people at this time? 
Well, uh, pastoral ministry in this time is, I guess, uh, like in some other challenges and in some other troublesome times, this is challenging in a way, but it's also not unlike some other things. So let me put it this way. There are many different uh, crises that happen all the time. So in some ways, it is challenging and it's unique, but it's also similar to many other uh, difficulties. So for example, when people are facing or people are battling, let's say cancer or some other terrible disease or something like that, uh, what do pastors do? They actually pray with people, they support the people, they remind uh, the people, uh, what does the word of God say about, about this particular case or this particular issue? Where do we, where do we, we find hope? And uh, this is, uh, you know, what, what we do now. So we remember where hope is. We remember that our hope is not in uh, politics. Our hope is not in Washington. Our hope, hope is not in Moscow or Kiev or any other place. Our hope is in Christ. And uh, that is something that we try to remind people that we serve uh, Christ who is risen. Who, uh, who's alive. I hate to ask this question, Pastor Bach, because um, I perished the thought, but a lot of people are wondering, what if, what if the Russians win this war and um, colonize the Ukraine? What, what will life be like, particularly for Christians there? I wonder, is this something that you and your people have thought a little bit about? What should we be ready for? And how can we be ready to care for brothers and sisters in the Ukraine if the worst happens? Well, yes, uh, it's uh, kind of, it's a very difficult question uh, on one hand. On the other hand, we know what it's like to be under a totalitarian regime. I grew up during that time. So for me, I know what it feels like. And I know that many of our brothers and sisters around the world are going through this time. So Think about Christians, especially underground church in China. Think about some other people who actually go through much worse situations now, at least. So in that case, I think that, uh, again, we shouldn't lose hope. Now, we don't know who will win this war. And I think that uh, in some way, Russia actually is somewhat surprised uh, with the resistance of uh, the Ukrainians and, you know, what is happening in Ukraine. And uh, I don't know really what, what they think because they, they don't tell me what they think. But I do believe that uh, they probably want it for something quicker, for something less painful. But what we see now, it's a little bit more challenging even for them. Now, as Christians, we actually... I think that in some ways, uh, God will help us to, I, and I do mean this, I do have firm uh, hope that God will help no matter what. God will help us to uh, go through, you know, uh, various tribulations and various challenges. Now, is it going to be difficult? I don't think so, uh, because in Russia, we have seen last couple, about last 10 years, the situation in Russia is getting worse and worse in terms of totalitarianism. It's uh, becoming more center-related, meaning the center is in Moscow and, you know, power is centralized in Moscow and that type of situation. Evangelical Christians are going through some ever-increasing persecutions. Well, it's probably not persecution as we would say, uh, the persecutions, but a lot of administrative challenges and life becomes more difficult for believers in Russia. And we do have people, you know, uh, friends and uh, 
acquaintances and different people who uh, do various type of ministries in Russia. And uh, life is more difficult for them because they are not Eastern Orthodox. And that makes it challenging. Now, if, let's say, it comes to the worst, now I don't think it's going to happen. But if it comes to the worst and if Russia does colonize Ukraine, now it depends what they are planning to do. Uh, now, if they, are plan- uh, if they are planning to play real tough and become real cruel taskmasters, they can try to squelch all the uh, all the religious independence and, and and all of that, but I don't see that being wise. You know, I don't think that that will be that will be something that they should do. As a matter of fact, uh, they can learn from some of the uh, greatest world conquerors like Alexander the Great and some other ones who actually allowed people to practice their religion. But of course, I don't know in Ukraine. The situation is different than in Russia because Ukraine is much more diverse. Ukraine has a lot larger evangelical or Protestant uh, population. In Ukraine, in addition to Eastern Orthodox churches, there are churches of Catholic persuasion. There are churches of uh, many, many, many uh, various uh, groups of believers. And, you know, it's very active evangelical population. It has very active evangelical population. As a matter of fact, together with Moldova, the largest number of missionaries in the former USSR are from Moldova and uh, Ukraine, even in, you know, in Russian cities, even in Siberia and in some other places. So what makes this war a sad reality is the fact that, you know, the longer the war, the war goes on, the more difficult it will be for people to serve. You know, people are people, you know, people are affected by propaganda, let's put it this way. And if you are told long enough that Ukrainians are enemies, then if Ukrainian will be uh, witnessing about Jesus, people may have a hard time accepting that. That's what I'm saying. Those listening, Pastor Bach, I would imagine, are thinking about how to pray. So what are some specific ways that our listeners can and should be praying for this war, Christians, people living in Ukraine? Well, first, of course, I think that Christians should pray for uh, this uh, war to end. Pray that God will stop this war, that God will give enough sense uh, to those who are responsible for this and to end the war. And, of course, uh, to end deaths that are associated with, with the war. I think that we need to pray to God for peace. Uh, I also would uh, like to ask to, to pray for Christians that would that Christians would put Christ and His gospel above personal hurt and hatred, so that uh, Christians use any opportunity to spread the gospel. When the hard time arrives, it is the best opportunity for the gospel of Christ to shine in the dark places, because the gospel carries light, carries life, hope and love who speak and witness about the risen Lord. So we need to pray for believers in Christ to become the beacons of hope and resurrection at the time of death and uh, destruction. We need to pray for those people not to lose hope and for them to keep the faith. Uh, Because I'm sure that at this point, you know, you heard it, more than 3 million people 
uh, on the run, basically from the country, and that means that family are se- families are separated. The men are staying behind, and uh, women and children are leaving the country, and uh, you know all of that. And, and that's a tragedy. It's terrible. So for them, in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this uh, heartbreaking situation, for them to still keep the hope, I think it's really important. I think also we need to pray for those who are suffering, who are poor, who are, you know, on the run, really, and uh, pray that God will um, help them not only to have their needs met, but also for them to see hope and maybe to meet some Christians who will actually help them to find Christ if they don't know Christ. Are there any other ways, Vitalia, which Christians here in North America can be helping uh, brothers and sisters uh, in the Ukraine. Uh, there are a lot of people listening to this who probably would like to be of help, but don't really know what to do. Do you have any advice for them? Well, uh, again, uh, first is pray. Uh, you know, and and I don't. I mean, for me, uh, prayer is not just you know just the by word or or some some kind of you know word that uh, that becomes kind of a stamp. No, uh, I think that uh, you know there's power in uh, prayer of the saints. Uh, second, uh, you can help. How you can help? You can help even financially. But at the same time, I would like to suggest that be careful when you are thinking about uh, about helping financially, because in the times of war, in times like this, there are many people who actually can come up with all sorts of schemes and frauds and different other circumstances. So make sure that if you want to participate financially, uh, do that through some reputable charities and mission groups. You can try doing it through your denominations or through your churches, and that probably would be the wisest thing to do. And because because I hope that they check who they are working with. As far as uh, transferring money to Ukraine, it's challenging because not all banks are working, and you may have some difficult situations right there. I know at least two uh, mission organizations that work closely uh, with uh, Ukraine and Russia. And as a matter of fact, they have been doing this work for a long time. So they've been, they've been working for years uh, there. They know many churches. So one of them is uh, Mission Eurasia. You can find them on the website uh, www.missioneurasia.org. And there's another one. It's called Bible Mission. As a matter of fact, they have offices in Germany, they have offices in America, and uh, they can provide a lot of help even through Europe. Uh, so it's Bible Mission, uh, www.biblemission.us. Uh, so you can actually uh, read some information there, what they do, and uh, you can help them. They provide food. They provide uh, food packages for people. They uh, try to organize some shelters and many other situations. Now, from our church, uh, there are two people right now who went to Poland, and uh, they're meeting the refugees and trying to work with them. Uh, one went specifically try to witness to uh, the refugees who are coming there, try to speak about Christ. And another one went specifically because to help with orphans. Uh, we uh, have participated with another local church uh, here in Minneapolis. We have participated in a couple of projects that they visited a lot of orphanages in Ukraine. And they were even bringing orphan orphans here to America for, for summer vacation, for some other time. And 
uh, all of those orphanages are evacuated to Poland. So they, uh, they are trying to locate those orphans and see how they can situate them and help them and provide some support and that kind of stuff. So that's, of course, uh, a lot of challenges because people are scattered right now. It's, uh, so again, pray if you choose to participate financially, do it wisely. Thank you so much for being on the show to talk with us about something that is uh, so difficult that's going on in the world right now. I also want to encourage our listeners to pray for you and your ministry and your church and your people too at this time. We always like to end by asking our podcast guests what the Lord is teaching them these days. And so I wonder if you can close this out by sharing what the Lord has been teaching you recently. Well, two things. Now, uh, this war, this situation in particular, has a lot of propaganda. There's a lot of informational, misleading information. And it reminds me that uh, words are very powerful, and uh, words can ignite a huge fire of hatred and bitterness. There's a passage in the book of James, in the letter of James uh, 3.6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so sad among our members that it defiles the whole body. It sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. So it just reminds me that words can heal or words can hurt. So it teaches me and reminds me that my words should be chosen wisely. And the time will come that I will have to give an account for every single word that I, that I say. So this is one uh, one thing, one lesson. What are my words? And another another lesson, uh, you know, in light of this whole situation, I take from the words of Jesus Christ. Jesus uh, said uh, before uh, before his crucifixion in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter sixteen, verses thirty-two through thirty-three. Indeed, the hour is coming; yet has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own. And, we, and, and will leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And I want to remind all listeners that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. There's a good hymn that uh, we sing, I serve the risen Savior. And actually, this is, you know, this is something that I really want to believe. This is something that I want to proclaim. This is something that I want to really, uh, really cling to. I serve the risen Savior. And as long as we uh, stick to him, as long as we are connected to him, we can do it. Jesus has overcome the world. Amen. Let's be strong, brothers and sisters, as we take up our crosses daily and follow the risen Savior. You have been listening to Vitaly Bach. He is senior pastor of Bethany Slavic Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He's an alumnus, we are pleased to say, of Beeson Divinity School. Thank you, Vitaly, for being with us today. We're very grateful for you and your ministry, and we thank all our listeners for being with us as well. We're praying for you. Please pray for us and pray for brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. Goodbye for now.
been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at beesondivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Thank you.